to us. Lord, thank you for who Kara is. We love her heart, uh, her enthusiasm. We love um, her kind of hunger and heart for your word and for kind of digging out the treasure that you've laid there for all ages. So we pray um, as she speaks to us now that you'd speak through her words, that as we listen to her, we'd hear you and that you would bring your challenge and transformation in our lives. So help us to listen to you carefully now as Kara uh, speaks. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Well, good evening. As Tim said, my name's Kara, and um, I'm one of the curates here. And this evening, I'm continuing um, in our series, looking at Jesus' I Ams. And so far, we've looked at I am he, I am the bread, I am the good shepherd. And this evening, we're focusing in on John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine. Now, just a little mention about vines before we start. When Jesus used the picture of the vine in this passage, he really knew what he was talking about because vines were grown all over Palestine. Most of Jesus' listeners would have been used to seeing vines and vineyards as they went about their daily lives. They would have known what vines needed to grow. And yet again, Jesus compares himself to something that his audience would have been really used to seeing. The ground needs to be perfectly clean for vines to grow. It was sometimes trained in trellises. It's sometimes allowed to creep along the ground, upheld by low forked sticks. It sometimes grew around the doors of houses. But wherever it grew, careful preparation of the soil was essential. Vines grow fast and drastic pruning is necessary. And vines bear two kinds of branches, one fruit-bearing and the other non-fruit-bearing. And non-fruit-bearing branches are pruned back so that they don't take away strength from the rest of the plant. The vine will never produce the fruit it's capable of without being drastically pruned back. The non-fruit-bearing branches are then burned because they're pretty much useless. Very simply, Jesus is saying that some of his followers are lovely fruit-bearing branches of himself and others are useless because they bear no fruit. Now, um, every time I come to a preach, Lydia um, really helpfully has sat down and listened um, to me go through it beforehand. And she loves visual aids. And she said to me when I went through it with her this week, wouldn't it be great if you could get hold of a vine? And um, I don't think um, Lydia knew how difficult vines were to get hold of. So instead, um, I got the next best thing. Um, <laughs> So this is a bottle of Chateau Neuve de Pape, um, one of the uh, like better wines, I'm told. Obviously, it's empty. Um, <laughs> so Jesus is basically saying that we're to be the Chateau Neuve de Pape and not the cheap plonk. So our main focus this evening is to look at how we can be the lovely fruit-bearing branches, how we can be fruit-bearers wherever we are. So with that in mind, thinking about the Chateau Neuve de Pape, 
um, let's look at the passage. So um, please turn to John 15, 1 to 17, and you'll find it on page 1022. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's just pause to pray for a moment. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray this evening that my words will be your words. and. Lord, you will, um, that my words will land wherever you desire them to land. May our ears be open, Lord, to everything you want to say to us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. And there's one um, specific bit of John 15 that I want us to think about this evening. And that verse is John 15:16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And um, one thing I want us to recognize and absorb is that we are chosen. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. I'm chosen, you are chosen, we are chosen. Can I just invite some of you to come and choose some of my fruit from the bowl? There's possibly enough for everyone. Come and help yourself. 
feel free to have a nibble as I speak. Feel free to take some for the rest of the week as well. I mean. <laughs> so you chose that piece of fruit this evening. That piece of fruit did not choose you. And there were obviously things about that fruit that you liked. Maybe there were things about the fruit that you didn't like. I'm a bit sorry that the bananas hadn't ripened enough yet. But regardless of that, you still chose it. It might not have been as ripe as you might have liked. Maybe you wanted a slightly different shape or color or softness. Perhaps someone took the bit of fruit that you were looking for. But the point is, you chose the fruit. It didn't choose you. And in a much more significant way, we didn't choose God. He chose us. And Jesus says to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You are chosen. Now, we spend quite a lot of time in our house watching box sets. I think it's probably something to do with the fact that we have a two-year-old and we no longer go out anywhere. Um, but I'm one of those really annoying people that in the midst of a film or a program, I always ask lots of questions. But I actually have quite a few games that I play. So, for example, if we're watching something with lots of celebs in it, I might say, who would you have on your celebrity dream team? Or... If you were on Come Dine With Me, what three-course meal would you cook? Or what talent would you exercise if you were on Britain's Got Talent? Or what superpower would you have if you were a superhero? It goes on. Um, and the latest Saturday night discussion, if all four judges turned around on The Voice, which judge would you pick? So those of you that aren't that clued up on Saturday night TV, The Voice is like a talent show where um, it's mainly voices, but the difference with this one is that the judges aren't facing the performers, they're facing away from them. Um, so they listen to them, it's all, I love it, because it's all based on talent as opposed to how somebody looks. But anyway, so like I've got to, like to watching this and in my head, like all four judges actually turn around for me and I'm like, which one would I pick? So. Will I Am could teach me to rap, so that's quite good. Um, Ollie Murs is just an all-round nice guy. Tom Jones has a wealth of experience, and Lauren Trainer is the only female. So actually, if I'm wanting to like improve on my singing abilities, then Lauren Trainer would probably be a really be a really good choice. But this is obviously fantasy because I'm there and all four judges have turned round. Well, actually, chances are I'd never get on the show in the first place. Um, so, you see the excitement on the singers' faces when just one coach turns around and picks them. Some have waited their whole lives for this moment, and their future hangs on being chosen, because actually being chosen and them winning the competition would literally turn their lives around in a material sense. And I wonder if the disciples would have felt like this when they heard Jesus utter the words, 
come, follow me. They were chosen and their lives were transformed in every way. And the same Jesus who uttered the words to the disciples utters the same words to us. Come, follow me. You too are chosen. And you were chosen by the God of the universe who flung stars into space. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, chooses us. You are chosen. I'm chosen. We are chosen by the one who matters more than anyone. And you might be thinking, why would God choose me? And so many of God's people thought that. In fact, God chose such an unlikely group of followers. Abraham was old, Elijah was suicidal, Joseph was abused, Job went bankrupt, Moses had a speech problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, the Samaritan woman was divorced many times, Noah was a drunk, Jeremiah was young, Jacob was a cheater, David was a murderer, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Peter denied Christ three times, Thomas doubted, Martha worried about everything, Zacchaeus was small and money hungry, the disciples fell asleep while praying, Paul, a Pharisee, persecuted Christians before becoming one, and the list could go on. God chooses and uses such an unlikely bunch of people. And how great is that? How reassuring is that? But for others of us, we've got it the wrong way around in our heads. And we think that God is really fortunate that we are on his team, that we said yes to him. Maybe you're here tonight and you looked in the mirror before you came out and you were like, hey, how you doing? You think you're talented, gifted, intelligent, good-looking, and God's actually really lucky to have you on his team. You think that God's really fortunate that you chose him. You think that God will definitely be able to further his kingdom with you on his team. You might be thinking, of course God chooses you. Why wouldn't God want me on his team? I come to church, I go to life group, I stick with him when some of my friends have fallen away. He's pretty privileged to have me on his team. But Jesus reminds the disciples and us that we did not choose him, he chose us. In other words, we're not the center of the universe. We're not the initiators. God does not orbit around us, but we orbit around him. And in the famous bestseller, The Purpose Driven Life, um, Rick Warren in the first sentence of the first chapter says, it's not about you. And for some of us, that might be really surprising. What? It's not about me. But it's actually hugely releasing because who we are and what we do is not because of you. It's because of him. Because God has chosen you and not the other way around. Whatever we do, whatever we face here in this verse, we're reminded that we have what it takes. We can do it because God has chosen us. So the first thing I'm pulling out of this passage this evening is that he chose you, he chose me, he chose us for his glory and we can rest in the fact that we are chosen. But the passage goes on. He chooses us to bear fruit. The next part of the passage tells us that we have a purpose and that our purpose is to bear fruit. And it continues in verse 16. It says, so that you might go and bear fruit, 
fruit that will last, and so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And it has been shown that we can live without many things, but one of the things we cannot live without is purpose, and our purpose is to be fruit bearers. Victor E. Frankl, a Jewish survivor of a Nazi concentration camp, said this, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. And we can live out all sorts of purposes, but Jesus tells us here that our main purpose is to go and bear fruit. This is our God-given destiny, to bear fruit. But what does it mean to bear fruit? Well, let's think about fruit for a moment. For those of you that took fruit from the bowl, what's so good about it? Well, it's natural, it's healthy, it's full of vitamins, it's colorful, it's self-producing, it's juicy, it's refreshing, it's nourishing, it's got a great smell, it tastes sweet, it's lovely and crunchy, it gives you energy. In other words, fruit could be compared to what Paul says in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we can summarize that to mean that to bear fruit means to be a positive influence wherever we go, to bring life. Now, I love to cook, and um, recently... Um, like one of the small things I've done is my friends um, just had a baby and I've got to know her through various toddler groups I've been going to and she doesn't know Jesus yet but I made her a few meals um, and this time I really upped my game I not only made her a few meals I put in a bottle of wine and a dessert and it was really simple it didn't take me much time to prepare I literally just chopped a load of stuff put it in the slow cooker but it had a real fruit bearing impact she was blown away Another friend of mine, um, who's a vicar, um, walked past a homeless guy every day for quite a few months, and he didn't want to get into the situation of giving him money. So instead, one day, he just um, was prompted to pray for him. He stopped, he asked what he could pray for for the man, and they struck up a conversation. And this um, praying for him has moved on to helping him in some very practical ways, and the relationship has grown, and it's actually been much more fruitful than it would have been if he'd just kind of put some money um, in the pot that he had um, by his side. Imagine what would happen if the people we came into contact with started saying, I met this Christian at work and, or on the high street or in the supermarket or at a playgroup and they were juicy and ripe and nourishing and tasted good. In other words, they were full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Um, Steve Sajoran wrote a book called The Conspiracy of Kindness, and he started, started a church in Cincinnati, Ohio, that has grown rapidly to an average attendance of 7,500 people in the last 15 years. Their motto is, small things done with great love are changing the world. They carry out random acts of kindness, like buying someone a coffee, writing a thank you note to a shop assistant, They have discovered the power and impact of showing God's love in really practical ways. And reading um, his book reminded me of um, the quote from Mother Teresa where she says, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. 
And sometimes it's the accumulation of the small things of great, with great love that have an impact. And the fruit born out of those random acts can be abundant. We are chosen and appointed to bear fruit. And another part of bearing fruit is to produce new fruit. It will be no surprise to you that as we are a positive influence wherever we go, we will have a certain attractiveness about us in what we say and do will point others towards Jesus. So part of that fruit bearing is to sensitively and confidently tell people about Jesus who has chosen us and given us purpose to bear fruit. And as we do, others will want to find out more and we will therefore produce more fruit. A friend of ours was um, really desperate to produce fruit at work and he had tried all kinds of things um, in like starting conversations about church or about Jesus and he had no success and it was really, he was really struggling with it. So um, he decided that he'd put a small Buddha on the top of his computer screen and um, people started coming up to him saying, are you a Buddhist? And he was like, no, I'm a Christian. And from that, like, loads of conversations started happening. So um, there were some definite fruit-bearing conversations from that. So um, just give me a show of hands. Does anyone long to have some fruit-bearing conversations at work? Okay, well, I've got some gifts. Um, I didn't feel comfortable buying a Buddha, so somebody has a Grow Your Own Jesus. Put your hand up if you'd like that to put on your computer screen. And, and a Jesus pen. Anyone? Any, here we go. So um, I'm just going to pause to pray. Jesus, we pray that um, although gimmicky, um, that those things will have a fruit-bearing impact um, where these guys work. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, when you're vicars, people buy you quite a few things like that for Christmas as stocking fillers. And I'm a bit like, well, we, we've already got rid of a blow-up Jesus um, in the last few weeks, so they're, they're the last of our stocking fillers. So to bear fruit is to be a positive influence and to produce new fruit. And finally, you are chosen to bear fruit that will last. And the passage says that those who abide in him are the ones that will produce fruit that will last. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Eight times in the passage, we're told to remain in him. And we bear fruit by remaining in him. We are told that we are a branch that needs to stay connected to the vine. The vine being Jesus. This shows how important Jesus thought it was. We need to remain in him if we're to bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit and new Christians. And it will only be those that abide in him that will produce fruit that will last. So how do we remain in him, abide in him? Well, there are many ways that we can remain in him. And the Christian term for these different ways of remaining in him is spiritual disciplines. And John Ortberg, in his book, The Life You Have Always Wanted, defines spiritual discipline as any activity that can help me gain power to love as Jesus taught and modeled. 
any activity that can help me gain power to love as Jesus taught and modeled. So to close, I'm just going to um, share three ways um, that I find help me stay connected to Jesus, just as the branches are connected to the vine. First one, these are all really simple, um, and I just kind of want to pass them on because I think they're so simple that anyone could do them really. So one is to link a daily activity to a short prayer. So when I clean my teeth in the morning and the evening, I say a simple prayer for somebody. It's an activity that I do every day twice, so it's a really simple way of praying for somebody. And um, Pete Gregg, in his book, God on Mute, talks about how when he did something repetitive, and in this case it was to change his son's nappy, um, it led into confession. I won't go into why <laughs> um, that was the case with him, but um, to do with nappy and poo and confession. But um, it's a repetitive activity that he did that he could pray as he did that. So mine's, I link mine to cleaning my teeth, but you could do it in a number of ways, loading the dishwasher or unloading it, uh, walking to the tube and back. Um, I don't know, there are lots of things. As you eat a meal, um, as you chew, pray for somebody. Um, the second thing I do is listen to scripture. Um, I found it to be really powerful. I ask Alexa, I, I guess if you've got a Google thing that's like Alexa, then um, you can maybe ask Alexa to read the Bible to you. I find that listening to the Bible for me is um, really fruitful and really helps me to abide. abide. And um, it was how scripture would have originally been heard, which is why I love to listen. Um, so listen to scripture. And the third is to waste time with God. I think there's something about setting a timer and just resting in God's presence, maybe just for 10 minutes in silence, waste time with God. There's some um, really good apps. Pete Gregg, again, has got quite a good app at the moment called Lectio 365. Just play and listen and spend time in God's presence. There are also numerous books, um, some more recent. This is like classic, Celebration of Discipline, um, Richard Foster. John Marcoma, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He's, um, this, this is all about Sabbath, really, um, which is a great practice. Um, Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. These are all brilliant books to help us think about practices which enable us to abide in Christ. So what I'd love us to do, maybe in the pub tonight or over coffee or with a friend this week, chat through the ways you can stay connected and remain in the vine. Because if we don't do this, the passage makes it clear that we can do nothing. So remember, you are chosen. Remember, you are chosen to bear fruit and remain connected to the one who is the source of all life and love. Amen. Let's just um, pause for a moment and allow what I've said to land.